0: Welcome to the Old Bridge Baptist Church podcast. We hope you find the following sermon to be edifying for your walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page. You can also visit our website at obb.church for more info. Now here's the sermon. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Very appropriate uh, text. Um ...for our book and our study in the book of Philippians. And I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. And um, considering today, verses 12 through 26. It's appropriate because Paul is sitting in a prison. And he's not sitting in a prison because of a crime that he committed. He's sitting in a prison because of his faithful obedience... ...and service for the Lord Jesus Christ... So he is living out what is spoken there in 1 Peter chapter 2. And while he's in prison, we will see today that he has an eternal perspective. And I'm sure that Paul wanted to be out of his circumstances. I am sure that he prayed that way and others prayed for him for that deliverance. But isn't it interesting that you don't see him mention in that in this book at all. Paul had an eternal perspective. And while he was in prison, he was thinking about eternity. He was not focused on his physical situation and circumstances. He was focused on, God, why am I here and how can you use me? And that's what we have to do. Our jobs, our families, our relationships, our circumstances, we must focus on God's eternal plan for us and not focus on the temporal. And that's what we want to see today in these passages. Again, verses 12 to 26. And I have today, as we look at this, um, three simple points God is sovereign over past, present, and future events in our lives. If we're going to focus on eternity, if we're going to have victory over trials and difficulties and hardships, maybe hardships from many years ago, we must see that God is sovereign over all those. Secondly, we, need, we notice here in this passage today... That Paul is interested in glorifying God, not himself. To glorify God means simply that we're more concerned about what people think about God than what they think about us. And so in our lives, we want to lift up God's reputation. And Paul does that and he's focused on that. And thirdly. We see that Paul, very simply, again, a very simple outline today. Paul is more concerned, as I mentioned in the introduction, about the spiritual than the physical. As you look at the, the book at Philippi, the emphasis is continually on the spiritual, not the physical. Even the gift that he receives, which is physical, he's more concerned about the, the, the benefits, the eternal benefits to the people of Philippi, Philippi than he is in receiving the gift. So let's uh, let's have a word of prayer before we continue this passage. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God. We pray today as your word of God is spoken. That you would hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ. We pray that his name is lifted up. We thank you Lord. When there's two or three of us gathered in your name. You're here in our presence. Jesus Christ is in our presence today. In this church. And we thank you for the presence. We pray today as the Word of God is spoken that you will speak to us. The Spirit of God is personal. That He will apply this message to each and every one of us personally today and help us. We have different struggles, we have different trials, we have different challenges, but He knows all that. And He will. Apply this message, Father. Open our hearts. Give us hearts that say, God, I want to hear from you today. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God is sovereign over our past, present, and future events in our lives. I've quoted this before. This passage not quoted, but referred to it before. I've referred to it many other times because it blows my mind. Psalm 139, verse 16. That in Our lives were written in God's book before we were ever born. You get that? Our lives, every single day of your life, was written in a book before you were born. And God, that doesn't mean that we're not responsible for our actions. That doesn't mean that. What it means is God is so big that he is in complete control but allows us to make decisions. Now, how that works out, I don't know. But that's what the Bible teaches. But I find that's a great comfort because the things that have happened in your past, this week, the week before, and even in your childhood, God is in control of that. God is not the author of sin. People sin against you. They're responsible for it. But God did allow it. God did allow it for a reason. And we see that with Paul in verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What happened? Well, the short version in the short history, the Apostle Paul in Acts 20 tells the other, um, believer, other pastors in the area uh, that he is going out to Jerusalem because the Spirit of God is leading him to Jerusalem. And he knows there's going to be problems there. He goes to Jerusalem, and there are problems, and the Jews want to kill him. And they bring false accusations against him. And then God protects him with the Roman government, and one thing leads to another. God tells Paul, good news, Paul, you're going to end up in Rome. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks back, when God says that, my will is for you to end up in Rome. That's good news. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It wasn't a cruise, right? I think of good news you're going to end up in Rome. Cool. I got a, a six-month a six cruise to Rome. Not the case with Paul, was it? But he ends up in Rome, and he ends up in prison. And he says to the church at Philippi, what he planned nine years ago? visit him on a, sec, his, his, uh, a third missionary journey planning on a second missionary journey, and he says to them, what's happened to me has happened for the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel, in other words, people are getting saved as a result of my imprisonment. So God is sovereign in the past. He has placed me here in this prison, and I am looking not at necessarily focused on getting out, but saying, what do I do while I'm here? You see, if we're going to have an eternal perspective, we've got to see that God is involved in and God is sovereign and control. He's consul- con- sovereign and control not only in our past events, but also in our present events, as Paul says in verse 13. So it has been become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Very interesting passage. First of all, when he says the palace guard, that is probably um, a place um, like a barracks for the um, uh, soldiers, and it's attached to Caesar's palace. Um, there's a place called Caesar's palace, but it's a different. Book. But anyway, it's attached, right, to Caesar's palace, or the, the Caesar at this time is Nero. Now, if you know anything about Nero, you know that he was wicked. That's the fiery trials that Peter speaks about that that was read by Eric this morning. That's because of Nero. He's the one that used to put Christians, use Christians as as lanterns and light their heads on fire. Okay. Isn't it interesting that Paul, that God puts Paul. In a prison right next to Nero and his palace on all the people. Now look what he says here. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard. Okay, so the guards. In other words, what happened to Paul, and let me, let me give you a, a little bit of uh, insight here. Um, Acts chapter 28, verse 16. In fact, why don't we, um, I thought I wrote that, quoted that down, but I didn't. But anyway, let's go, go to Acts 28:16. 16. I want you to see something here for a second. I'm going to give you a couple passages give insight to this, this passage here. So Acts 28, verse 16, right? So remember, Paul's in prison. He's writing about this. He said, um, it's, you know, it's become evident. I'm in the palace guard. In other words, people have heard the gospel. People are getting saved because of my imprisonment. Now look at Acts chapter 28, verse 16. Now, when he came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul, by himself, was, to, was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Now, here's what happened. Paul is put in prison. He's by himself. He's in house and rest. But he's chained to a soldier all day long. And I don't know if they worked like the 12-hour shift or the 8-hour shift, you know. And so I would probably say the 12-hour shift because you're probably trying to count. You know, count, uh, cut down on costs. And so 8 or 12 hours, he's chained to a soldier. Imagine that poor soldier. Because there's the Apostle Paul. Hey, why are you in prison? Oh, let me explain it to you. Bang. The gospel, right? It's a great opportunity for us. We went to Ireland. Immediately picked up the American accent. Hey, what are you doing in Ireland? Open door. Let me tell you what I'm doing in Ireland. And there's the open door, right? And usually people's faces drop like, oh, no. I wish I didn't ask. Um, and so, you know, we have to try to use some of our experience. What people say now is, oh, you know, what do you do for living? Oh, let me tell you. Bang. And people, again, people say she's will drop. But once in a while, somebody's open. So Paul is chained to this the, soldier, and he's sharing the gospel. And the soldier goes back into his barracks, and somebody else comes. And before you know it, they're all talking. and say, hey, what do you think of this guy, Paul? What's he talking about? And people are getting saved, right? Now, let me show you something else. Go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. Because this is really neat. Philippians 4, verse 22. Now, Paul's writing this back to the church at Philippi, probably sending... Probably sending uh, Timothy with the note. Verse twenty-two, and all now note this. And all the saints greet you. That's believers, right? That's uh, uh, hagios. It's a it's a form of the holy ones. Okay, we're saints because of because of our our relation with Christ. All the saints greet you. Now look at this, but especially those who are Caesar's household. See what's happening here. God sends Paul to Rome, and God says, I want to reach some soldiers in Rome, and I want to get the gospel into Nero's house, and I want Nero, no doubt, to be exposed to the gospel, this wicked man, because even though he's so wicked, I still love him, and I want him to get saved, and who would know better than God's grace and the Paul than Paul? Because he said he persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And I love testimonies. I love when people who are wicked, debauched people and God saves them. I love the story in Jonah. I know Jonah didn't want to see the Ninevites get saved. But when I see that king and those Ninevites, they were a wicked, ruthless people. That's why Jonah didn't want to go to him. And when I see that king humble himself, I hope I see him in heaven because I love to read about that. I love to read about King Manasseh, who was so wicked for 50 years, but then he got right with God and got saved and he's in heaven. And some of those people near his household, they got saved because of Paul, because Paul had an eternal perspective. God, why am I at this job? God, why do you send this trial? God, why this hardship? God, why? Eternal perspective. He's in control. He has a reason. So what do we do? We have to look and say, God, what do you want me to do? What are you teaching here? What do you teach me through this sickness? What do you teach me through this trial? I know this. Romans 8, chapter uh, 28, we quote oftentimes, all things work together for good. But we forget verse 29. The good is it makes us more like Christ. That's the good. God is working a plan. And we know one main goal is to make us more like Christ. And when he makes us more like Christ, our light will shine brighter in this dark world. But if we go back to Philippians chapter 1 now, we see the Apostle Paul. He's in prison and he's writing back and he's saying to them, listen... I want to comfort you that what 's happened to me it 's happened to the further it 's the gospel and and i 'm you know sharing the gospel, and people are getting saved. The gospel permeates uh, throughout the palace guard and verse fourteen he says this, and most of the brethren of the Lord have become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the Word without fear. You see Paul. He got victory. He probably struggled along the way. But then he got in there and he said, God has a plan. And as you're seeing God working his plan, he's saying, you know, this isn't that bad. Like I'm under house arrest. I'm chained to a soldier. I don't want to be here. But God's given me victory. God's given me strength. I love the end of the book of Habakkuk. I think it's Habakkuk here. Sorry, in Ireland. It's Habakkuk Um, because somebody I saw a puzzled look when I said that. I love the end of that. And the end of it is, and and I'll give you just a a brief overview, is is God is saying, you guys are going to get leveled by the Babylonians. Okay? You're going to get leveled, and things are going to get really bad. And I'm just letting you know that. And Habakkuk, at the end, Habakkuk says, he rejoices in the Lord, but he says this, the Lord will make my feet like deer's feet. What does that mean? A deer has stable feet. A deer can walk up the side of a mountain. Sometimes in Ireland you will see these the rams or you'll see the sheep on the side of a mountain on a cliff. And you're saying, how in the world did that thing get up there? They're hooves. They can dig in. And so God doesn't necessarily remove the trial, as in Habakkuk's case or in Paul's case here, what God does is God gives us strength within the trial. Remember, Paul prayed about the thorn in the flesh and being human. He prayed three times take it away, take it away, take it away. I could pray. I pray hundreds of times when it happens to me. Take it away, take it away, take it away, take it away. I keep praying. And sometimes it's a no, and we hear the words that we don't want to hear, right? My grace is sufficient. Sometimes God says, I'm just going to make your feet like deer feet. I'm going to strengthen you through the trial. Because that's the work that God is doing. And Paul says, I've gotten victory. And you don't have to turn there. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, God says he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in our trials and tribulations. Do you know that word comfort? That's parakaliah. That means he puts his arm around us. You know who he sent to us? The Comforter, right? Who's in us. That word comfort, power, Kalea. The Holy Spirit is called the one that puts his arms around us. You go through a trial. You go through hardship. You go through difficult, And we all are. There's all trials. There's trials because we're Christians. And there's trials because we're human. And that God says, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit going to comfort you. Allow him to comfort you. Allow him to do that. And then he says this, and I'm going to comfort you so that you can comfort others. Right? So what we have to be careful of is when we go through some hardship and somebody else is going through it and theirs doesn't seem as bad as ours, our natural tendency is to say, "Yeah, it's not a big deal, I went through that. That's not what God, that's, that doesn't help anybody. What helps us is, I understand that hardship and I'm sorry you going through this and I am here for you to comfort you. I went through it. And if you want to hear what God did for me, I'd be glad to talk to you. But I'm praying for it because I know that hardship. That's comforting people, right? That's what Paul's doing. His testimony is comforting people and other people in the area because Paul is a, if, you know, for lack of a better term, he's a big shot in the Christian realm. Everybody knows the Apostle Paul. In fact, Peter was kind of like the leader of the Apostles. And that kind of shifted. I think now it's Paul. And man, the leader is in prison. Maybe we're going to end up there. This is terrible. And you say, no, I got this. All good. And they were comforted by that. Because Paul got victory. You see, Paul got victory. And God wants us to have victory so we can be an encouragement to others. Now, the other thing we see is God is sovereign in events surrounding our lives, right? He is sovereign in events surrounding our lives. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 50. And this is a passage that you're probably familiar with. You may not know it. But now once you go there, you're like, oh yeah, I know where he's going. Genesis 50 Verse 18 to 21. This is a critical passage for us. If you're struggling with forgiveness, this is a critical passage. If somebody's hurt you or your family and you're struggling, this is a critical passage. Something happened in your past, this is a critical passage. Genesis chapter 50, verse 18. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph's ten brothers that did him harm. What did they do? They threw him in a dried up well and wanted to murder him. Okay, for no good reason. And instead of murdering him, because Reuben stepped in. They sold him to slavery. And I would say probably in those days, if you had a choice between the two, you probably would have preferred being executed. How horrific slaves have been treated through history. All nations, all generations, and wickedness. So that's what his brothers did. And when Jacob, the father, died... Even though Joseph was nice to them, they thought, man, when our dad dies, we're going to get it because he's second in command to Pharaoh. He could do whatever he wants to us. Now look at the tenderness of Joseph in verse 19. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Boy, that's a great description of forgiveness. Forgiveness means not forget. Okay. You know, sometimes you don't forget. Sometimes something can re-trigger. Your brain is like a hard drive. And events happen. They're in there. And something can trigger that. Okay? That doesn't necessarily mean you didn't forgive the person. It just means something can trigger. Okay? But what it does mean is this. Is that I turn my will by, by, by my will... I turn that person over to God. I don't hold it against them. That's between them and God. Okay? Am I in the place of God? I don't have the right to hold this against you. Look at he says this though. But as for you, you meant evil against me. Now notice he doesn't excuse that. Forgiveness isn't saying what the person did is okay. It's not saying that. You did evil. Not, you, you meant evil. You did this for evil. Okay? And, that, and that's what they did. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God is sovereign. God allowed this to happen to bring me into Egypt to eventually to place me second in in, in command of Pharaoh to give wisdom to how to save the world from a famine. Note that Joseph's victory came from understanding and embracing that God is sovereign. That God is sovereign. And not only is he sovereign, but he's good and he's wise and he's loving. So whatever goes our way, there's a good reason for it. Joseph got a hold of that. And I think Paul did too, as we go back to Philippians. Now look what the Bible says here. Because there are some people that are doing some bad things here. In Flipping chapter 1. I mean this poor guy is sitting in prison. And all the hardship that he faced as a believer. All the persecutions and, and, and difficulties he faced. And you could go to um, 2 Corinthians 11. Around verses 20 and following. And read about it. All the hardship he went through. The Bible says this. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. Some people were preaching the gospel. They were doing their circuit because of envy. Oh, Paul's the big man. Now he's in prison. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go preach because I should be the prominent one. I don't think Paul wanted to be the prominent one, to be honest with you. Not after all the hardship he went through. That's why they preached. Some for strife. You get 10 or 12 people with the same mindset and now they're fighting with each other. I want to be the one. No, I want to be the one. No, I want to be the one. It's a bad reason to do it. Some also from goodwill. There's some that's doing it right. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition. That's the same word as strife. Again, I want to uh, build my Um, entity. Build my name. It's not about Christ's reputation, is it? It's about their reputation. It's a good way you know if a a preacher is genuine or not. Is Christ being lifted up or are they being lifted up? There's the question. The former preached of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add afflictions to my chains. Isn't that horrible? Somehow I think, you know, like, you know, Paul is the big name. So if this guy preaches, wait a minute, you're preaching the same thing as Paul? Well, he's the ringleader, so we're going to really make things hard for him in prison. I think that was their motive. It's terrible. I mean, here's a poor guy going through all this. Instead of praying for him, they're trying to add afflictions. But the latter, out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. Some would say, listen, God has, has... Raise up Paul as the apostle and he's, he's given us this ministry or this ministry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever ministry God gives us, he just says, asks us to be faithful to it. No one's better than anyone else. And we get that. And we love Paul. So there's some with that, which is, which is good. What then? Now look at this response though. Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Let me tell you, Paul got victory because he understood God's sovereign. I'm not going to get torn up about this. I'm not going to let this bother me. God is sovereign. They'll stand before God. The good thing is God can use his word despite that. Just look at Jonah, right? The reluctant prophet and there is revival. And he was mad after that. Results are not no indication of godliness. Noah preached for 120 years and his family got on the boat and that was it. He was the one that was faithful. He was the one that God gave the thumbs up to. Jonah in that instance wasn't. So Paul is saying, it's okay. It's okay. Because the gospel is going out. Now, the second thing we want to see is Paul wants to glorify God and not self. In verse 19 he says, For I know that this will turn out for the deliverance of, through your prayer and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, what's first verse 20 will explain what that verse 19 means. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ may be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, Paul's concern was not his life or his reputation. But Paul's concern was that God was glorified. That Jesus Christ is glorified. And whether that is by my death, I pray he is glorified. Or if it's by my release, I pray that he is glorified. And Paul is saying in verse 19, it's amazing. He says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. And he's not saying... At at this particular time, in these verses here, he's not saying, I know for a fact I'm going to be delivered physically. Because he just said, I could be weathered by death or by life. But his deliverance is, if I'm out of prison, then I'm delivered by prison. And if I'm killed, I'm delivered from this sinful body and I'm in heaven. That was his view of deliverance. Either way, I don't lose. It's kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was read this morning. You can do what you want. Like I, we don't know. God might deliver us. He may not deliver us. But we're going to worship him. Because if we die. We're going to be in his presence anyway. So that's up to you. What a bold stance. Young men. Young men. Praise God. But Paul is saying. I want God's name to be glorified. Verse 26 again. That you're rejoicing for me. Now, here he's speaking about when he he comes to see them, your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. If God delivers me and I come to you, I want you to praise God, That's what he's saying. He's concerned about God's reputation, not his reputation. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And number three, again, he's more concerned about spiritual things than physical. Let's look again. We we, we looked. At, let's look at first. Excuse me. Look at look at verse twenty-one. We've read verse twenty. Verse twenty-one. For me to live. For, excuse me. For to me to live is Christ, and to God to die is gain. Now you can't beat a guy like that. Okay. He's saying this. If I'm alive. If I live, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. That's what I'm going to live for. Okay? I'm not going to live for Like Paul's not saying, oh, if I get out of prison, God, I just want to visit this place. You know? Or I just want to bungee jump. He's not saying that. If I live, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Right? But if I die, it's gain. Because I'm with Christ. That's eternal perspective, isn't it? And he's more concerned about spiritual than physical. If I get out, it's for Christ, right? We're concerned about that. Years ago, there was a, there's a, a, a story of a um, kind of a myth, a legend, I'd say, a legend. of a, So whether it's true or not, it's probably true. And, you know, these things kind of get bolstered up. But there was a, a monk uh, many, many centuries ago, uh, before even the Reformation, and the monk uh, was in the church doing his 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 business his duties in the church. And there's a notorious murderer and gangster that would whenever he went into a town he would kill people just for the fun of it, and and take take money and, and riches etc. He went into the cathedral and he saw the monk, and the monk saw him come in, and the monk continued. To go about his business. A notorious murderer and gangster was stunned. And he walked over to the monk. And said. Do you know who I am? And he said. Yes I do. Then do you know that I am the man. That will take a sword. And drive it through your heart. Without even blinking. And the monk said. Do you know who I am? I am the man who will take a sword to the heart without blinking. And it said the notorious murdering and gangster turned away and went out the door. And that's kind of how the apostle Paul was. You want to execute me? That's okay. I'll be with God. You want to let me free? I'm going to still serve Jesus Christ. He was concerned about spiritual things. In verse 22 to 23, he says this, but if I live on the flesh... But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. I don't know what I want. Verse 23. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Now, note that. What is heaven? Number one, to be with Jesus Christ. Like a long lost friend. When Robert Mary McShane, whose brother died at a young age, the great Scottish reformer, when his brother died and he died as a believer, he had a great influence on McShane to, to lead him to Christ. McShane was gutted by his brother's death. He loved his brother. He died at an early age in the 20s. McShane himself died at 29. But when he met Jesus Christ, he said now that I have a brother who will never die. And that's how we have to see a brother. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. But a brother and a friend. And Paul longed to be with them. And heaven is not about 20 different flavors of ice cream. Heaven's about Jesus Christ and seeing him. And Paul says this again, the spiritual. I want to be with Christ, which is far better. Verse 24, he says this. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. I think Paul, as he's writing through this, he he now um, reveals that God revealed to him that you're going to get out. And he did. It's so when he went, to, he, he went to Crete, we see that in, in Titus. He wasn't in Crete planning church before that. He went, you could make the case for a fourth and fifth missionary journey at Paul after, after Acts. And so he did get out. But why did he want to get out? What was his motive again? I want to get, if I, you know, I go back and forth. But for your sake and for the sake of Christ and for the glory of God, I want to get out so I can minister to you. And then he says that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. I think it's interesting when he speaks about there in verse 25, the joy of faith. See that? The joy of faith. Which really leads us into the Lord's Supper. We serve God Out of obedience, but when we're abiding in Christ, there's a joy. A fruit of the Spirit, in Galatians 5, verses 21 to 22. A fruit of the Spirit, I think it's verse 21, is joy. In John 15, again, we've talked about this before, abiding in Christ, and we have joy that's overflowing. It's that relationship with Christ that brings the joy. And that's what Paul's trying to tell them. Which brings us to the Lord's Supper. Because why does God want us to have celebrate the Lord's Supper? Why does he tell us to examine ourselves and make sure our hearts are right with him? Which we'll have an opportunity to do. It's because he wants to make sure we're in fellowship with him. There's nothing between us. And the Lord's Supper is a time for us to reflect on that. It's something we should do all the time, but in a special way. We do it because he even threatens us. He threatens us because he loves us. He threatens us with with chastening. He said some got sick. Some even died because of lack of reverence. So make sure. I want to make sure. I love you so much. I want a relationship with you so much. I want you to make sure and really understand that this is serious. One commentary said this. The further a man proceeds... In the way of truth, the stronger his faith will be. And the stronger his faith, the greater his joy or happiness. And that's what the Lord's Supper's about. An intimate relationship with Christ where we reflect upon him. That he died not just for the whole world. He died for you. He died for you specifically. And, and it's time for us to reflect on that. And thank him. And, and and meditate on what that means. And we, I don't think we can, probably not on this side of eternity, really fathom what really that means. What, that God would come to this earth and brutally, brutally die for us. You know, the Philippian jailer, he would rather have executed himself than to face the wrath of Rome. Jesus Christ faced the wrath of Rome. It was a brutal death that he went through. But he did it for us. So turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 14, verse 22. The Bible says this, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And so again, before we eat that, let's just think about for a moment, and then... What God has done for us. What this means to us. And then we'll eat together. So let's just pray. For a moment. says, take, eat, this is my body. Remember that Jesus died for us, so we take and eat now. And as we were meditating, I hope we also thought about the blood of Christ. Because he said that he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood. Of the new covenant, which is shed for many, so take and drink now. Father in heaven, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he, his body was broken up for us, and his blood was shed for us. Thank you for our fellowship, and Father, I pray that we would um, never get over. How unfathomable it is that God would die for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old Bridge Baptist Church. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening on. We appreciate your support and we hope you have a God-blessed day.